Section seven of the Book of Ser Marco Polo, the Venetian, concerning the kingdoms and marvels of the East, Volume two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marianne. The Book of Ser Marco Polo, the Venetian, concerning the kingdoms and marvels of the East, Volume two, by Rusticello de Pisa, translated by Henry Yule. Book Second, Part Three, Chapters Sixty Six to Seventy Two. Chapter Sixty Six, Concerning the City of Koiganju. Koiganju is, as I have told you already, a very large city standing at the entrance to Manzi. The people are idolaters and burn their dead and are subject to the Great Khan. They have a vast amount of shipping, as I mentioned before in speaking of the river Karamoran, and an immense quantity of merchandise comes hither for the city is the seat of government for this part of the country. Owing to its being on the river, many cities send their produce thither to be again thence distributed in every direction. A great amount of salt is also made here, furnishing some forty other cities with that article, and bringing in a great revenue to the great Khan. CHAPTER 67 OF THE CITIES OF PAUKIN AND KAYU when you leave Koiganju, you ride southeast for a day along a causeway laid with fine stone, which you find at this entrance to Manzi. On the other hand, there is a great expanse of water, so that you cannot enter the province except along this causeway. At the end of the day's journey, you reach the fine city of Pukin. The people are idolaters, burn their dead, are subject to the great Khan, and use paper money. They live by trade and manufactures, and have great abundance of silk, whereof they weave a great variety of fine stuffs of silk and gold. Of all the necessaries of life there is great store. When you leave Paukin, you ride another day to the southeast, and then you arrive at the city of Keyu. The people are idolaters, and so forth. They live by trade and manufactures, and have great store of all necessaries, including fish in great abundance. There is also much game, both beast and bird, insomuch that for a Venice groat you can have three good pheasants. Chapter 68 Of the Cities of Tiju, Tinju, and Yanju When you leave Keyu, you ride another day to the southeast, through a constant succession of villages and fields and fine farms, until you come to Tiju, which is a city of no great size, but abounding in everything. The people are idolaters, and so forth. There is a great amount of trade, and they have many vessels. And you must know that on your left hand, that is, towards the east, and three days' journey distant, is the ocean sea. At every place between the sea and the city salt is made in great quantities. And there is a rich noble city called Tinju, at which is produced salt enough to supply the whole province, and I can tell you it brings the great Khan an incredible revenue. The people are idolaters, and subject to the Khan. Let us quit this, however, and go back to Tiju. Again, leaving Tiju, you ride another day towards the southeast, and at the end of your journey you arrive at the very great and noble city of Yanju, which has seven and twenty other wealthy cities under its administration, so that this Yanju is, you see, a city of great importance. It is the seat of one of the great Khan's twelve barons, for it has been chosen to be one of the twelve Singhs. The people are idolaters, and use paper money, and are subject to the great Khan. And Messer Marco Polo himself, of whom this book speaks, did govern this city for three full years, by the order of the great Khan. 
the people live by trade and manufactures for a great amount of harness for knights and men-at-arms is made there and in this city and its neighbourhood a large number of troops are stationed by the khan's orders there is no more to say about it so now i will tell you about two great provinces of manzi which lie towards the west and the first of that is called nangin chapter sixty nine concerning the city of nangin nangin is a very noble province towards the west the people are idolaters and so forth and live by trade and manufactures they have silk in great abundance and they weave many fine tissues of silk and gold they have all sorts of corn and victuals very cheap for the province is a most productive one game is also abundant and lions too are found there the merchants are great and opulent and the emperor draws a large revenue from them in the shape of duties on the goods which they buy and sell and now i will tell you of the very noble city of siai an fu which well deserves a place in our book for there is a matter of great moment to tell about it chapter seventy concerning the very noble city of siai an fu and how its capture was effected siai an fu is a very great and noble city and it rules over twelve other large and rich cities and is itself a seat of great trade and manufacture the people are idolaters and so forth they have much silk from which they weave fine silken stuffs they have also a quantity of game and in short the city abounds in all that it behooves a noble city to possess now you must know that this city held out against the great khan for three years after the rest of manzi had surrendered the great khan's troops made incessant attempts to take it but they could not succeed because of the great and deep waters that were round about it so that they could approach from one side only which was the north and i tell you they never would have taken it but for a circumstance that i am going to relate you must know that when the great khan's host had lain three years before the city without being able to take it they were greatly chaffed thereat then messer nicolo polo and messer mafio and messer marco said we could find you a way of forcing the city to surrender speedily whereupon those of the army replied that they would be right glad to know how that should be all this talk took place in the presence of the great khan for messengers had been dispatched from the camp to tell him that there was no taking the city by blockade for continually received supplies of victuals from those sides which they were unable to invest and the great khan had sent word back that take it they must and find a way how then spoke up the two brothers and messrs marco the son and said great prince we have with us among our followers men who are able to construct mongonels which shall cast such great stones that the garrison will never be able to stand them but will surrender incontinently as soon as the mangonels or trebuchets shall have shot into the town the khan bade them with all his heart to have such mangonels made as speedily as possible now messer nicolo and his brother and his son immediately caused timber to be brought as much as they desired and fit for the work in hand and they had two men among their followers a german and an astorian christian who were masters of that business and these they directed to construct two or three mangonels capable of casting stones of three hundred pounds weight accordingly they made three fine mangonels each of which cast stones of three hundred pounds weight and more and when they were complete and ready for use the emperor and the others were greatly pleased to see them and caused several stones to be shot in their presence whereat they marvelled greatly and greatly praised the work and the khan ordered that the engines should be carried to his army 
which was at the leaguer of Siai An Fu. And when the engines were got to the camp, they were forthwith set up, to the great admiration of the Tartars. And what shall I tell you? When the engines were set up and put in gear, a stone was shot from each of them into the town. These took effect among the buildings, crashing and smashing through everything, with huge din and commotion. And when the townspeople witnessed this new and strange visitation, they were so astonished and dismayed that they wist not what to do or say. They took counsel together, but no counsel could be suggested how to escape from these engines, for the thing seemed to them to be done by sorcery. They declared that they were all dead men if they yielded not, so they determined to surrender on such conditions as they could get. Wherefore they straightway sent word to the commander of the army that they were ready to surrender on the same terms as the other cities of the province had done, and to become the subjects of the great Khan, and to this the captain of the host consented. So the men of the city surrendered, and were received to terms, and this all came about through the exertions of Messer Nicolo, and Messer Mafio, and Messer Marco, and it was no small matter. For this city and province is one of the best that the great Khan possesses, and brings him in great revenues. CHAPTER 71 CONCERNING THE CITY OF SINJU, AND THE GREAT RIVER KIAN You must know that when you leave the city of Yanju, after going fifteen miles southeast, you come to a city called Sinju, of no great size, but possessing a very great amount of shipping and trade. The people are idolaters, and subject to the great Khan, and use paper money. And you must know that this city stands on the greatest river in the world, the name of which is Kian. It is in some places ten miles wide, in others eight, in others six, and it is more than one hundred days' journey in length from one end to the other. This it is that brings so much trade to the city we are speaking of, for on the waters of that river merchandise is perpetually coming and going, from and to the various parts of the world, enriching the city, and bringing a great revenue to the great Khan. And I assure you this river flows so far and traverses so many countries and cities, that in good sooth there pass and repass on its waters a greater number of vessels, and more wealth and merchandise than on all the rivers and all the seas of Christendom put together. It seems indeed more like a sea than a river. Messer Marco Polo said that he once beheld at that city fifteen thousand vessels at one time, and you may judge, if this city, of no great size, has such a number, how many there must be altogether, considering that on the banks of this river there are more than sixteen provinces and more than two hundred great cities, besides towns and villages, all possessing vessels. Messer Marco Polo aforesaid tells us that he heard from the officer employed to collect the great Khan's duties on this river, that there passed upstream two hundred thousand vessels in the year, without counting those that passed down. Indeed, as it has a course of such great length, and receives so many other navigable rivers, it is no wonder that the merchandise which is borne on it is of vast amount and value, and the article in largest quantity of all is salt, which is carried by this river, and its branches, to all the cities on their banks, and thence to the other cities in the interior. The vessels which ply on this river are decked. They have but one mast, but they are of great burthen, for I can assure you they carry, reckoning by our weight, from four thousand up to twelve thousand canters each. Now we will quit this matter, and I will tell you of another city called Kaiju. But I must first mention a point I have forgotten. 
you must know that the vessels on this river going upstream have to be tracked for the current is so strong that they could not make head in any other manner now the tow-line which is some three hundred paces in length is made of nothing but cane tis in this way they have canes of some fifteen paces in length these they take and split from end to end into many slender strips and then they twist these strips together so as to make a rope of any length they please and the ropes so made are stronger than if they were made of hemp there are at many places on this river hills and rocky eminences on which idle monasteries and other edifices are built and you find on its shores a constant succession of villages and inhabited places chapter seventy two concerning the city of kaiju kaiju is a small city towards the southeast the people are subject to the great khan and have paper money it stands upon the river before mentioned at this place are collected great quantities of corn and rice to be transported to the great city of kambuluk for the use of the khan's court for the grain for the court all comes from this part of the country you must understand that the emperor hath caused a water communication to be made from this city to kambuluk in the shape of a wide and deep channel dug between stream and stream between lake and lake forming as it were a great river on which large vessels can ply and thus there is a communication all the way from this city of kaiju to kumbaluk so that great vessels with their loads can go the whole way a land road also exists for the earth dug from those channels has been thrown up so as to form an embanked road on either side just opposite to the city of kaiju in the middle of the river there stands a rocky island on which there is an idol monastery containing some two hundred idolatrous friars and a vast number of idols and this abbey holds supremacy over a number of other idol monasteries just like an archbishop's see among christians now we will leave this and cross the river and i will tell you of a city called chiang Fu. End of section 7